Thank you for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. As host, I've had the privilege of meeting a number of fascinating people that have shared their stories in the pre-COVID, COVID, and more recently in the early post-COVID months. Out of 186 podcasts to date, none stand out more than my chats with James McCare from the Calgary Food Bank, episode 82, and Laurie McRitchie from Airdrie Food Bank, episode 178. The Food Bank relies upon the support from the local community, and as many know, this support was very prominent during the COVID lockdown period. Now that businesses and activities have opened up across the globe, including children returning to school, it can be very easy to forget about those in real need of food donation. Take the time to donate to the food bank, whether it is at your local grocery store, such as the hampers placed by the cashier at Sobeys, or at the physical locations of both Calgary and Airdrie food banks, or online at the Canada Food Bank's website, www.foodbankscanada.ca. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day and stay safe. Hi, is that Paul? Hello. Hello. Yeah, this is Paul. Paul here. How are you? Good. I'm terrific. Thanks, Paul. Welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on this uh, wonderful, informative podcast. Um, uh, we, we're still waiting on Beatrice, right? We're, wait, we're waiting for Beatrice so we can pass the time away. Uh, like, I really got confused, not confused, but I used the wrong letter. So CO2, I was thinking O as in the, the, you know, the number letter 2. Okay. Yeah, so it's C as in to visually see CO2. That's correct. That's your company, right? That's correct. CO2 Energy. Hi, and Beatrice is on the line. Hi. Yes, I'm here. Welcome, Beatrice. So both of you, Paul and Beatrice, thank you for joining me on Calgary Business Podcast. Well, thanks for having us. Thank you. This is episode number 188, and you know I'm from Calgary, so 88 has a little bit of significance from the Olympics, but <laughs> if, <laughs> 188, we're a little 100 years off of that. So, sure. So, Paul and Beatrice, I, you know, I, look, you two, please tell me the story of CO2, the origin story of CO2 energy. All right, yeah. Uh... Yeah, once again, thank you for having us on your wonderful podcast. Thank you. Um, so CO2 is basically a technology, a clean tech technology that uh, was spun out from the University of Calgary. Okay, so myself, oh, okay. myself and Chris, we finished our PhD yeah. at the University of Calgary a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, it was part of our research work, the technology. Right. So after after our program, we're like, no, we don't have to leave this promising technology at the investor level. Yeah. Right? We should be able to take that technology and commercialize it. So that led to the birth of CO2. And uh we incorporated two years ago. Yeah. And and you know, we've been we've been doing quite well since we incorporated in terms of building up or scaling up the technology and also the business attraction and attractions we've received uh, all over so so in a nutshell that's the storyline but i uh, know as we keep on with the discussion you know more yeah. more information will come out so let, let's go back because paul you said something maybe and, and maybe beatrice can can clarify this you said it was a spin-off so 
UFC, did they own the rights? And then they said, here you go. You can go start a company, you know, from your PhD work. No. So basically because we were students and we had a couple of patents at that point. Yeah. Right. Um, we, we started the company with, with uh, Innovate Calgary, which is the commercial arm of the, oh. of the university. Yeah. Right. But they owe a very small stake in the company. So all the patents has been assigned to, to CO2. So CO2 Energy owns all the patents that we, we developed at that point. And then you yeah. just as a small percentage, you know, um, in the company. Right, right. Okay. So, so let maybe I'll let Beatrice step in and say, tell me about the patents that you hold. Maybe you can just introduce the number of patents, one or two or 10 or. <laughs> not 10 <laughs> yeah uh yes yeah, so uh, we do have two patents issued and yes. one pending uh right now they, they you know patents take uh quite a long time and and uh so we as paul mentioned we did file them at least one of them when we were in the middle of our phds and we were students at that point you know uh, we didn't even know that uh, CO2 energy would ever exist, and we were going to be taking this venture into a whole commercialization level. Um, yeah. So, you know, to your perspective, the first one was probably filed in 2015. And wow. the second one, so you yeah. were students. You were students yeah. filing patent. You're like, we found something we think is pretty cool, which you didn't <laughs> tell me about. But, but literally, you're like, we're students. We should file a patent, Paul. Were you working together? Yes, we work on the same um, in the same projects uh, yeah. for throughout our PhDs. We sort of, uh, yeah, our theses are obviously completely different. Our PhDs, they're all original work, but they're complementary in many ways. We work in the same systems level. Okay, so this is carbon, ca like, okay, I'm going to be my, I'll put my oil and gas hat on. It's carbon <laughs> capture. It's just the squeezing, the CO2 that is emitted from the gas flare. I mean, go back to that days of 2015. Um, so just, yeah, just so to clarify, we are, so it's carbon capture, utilization and storage is sort of like the big field that we are. So we're in yes. that utilization, so the U of that CCUS. Um, so we utilize this, you know, right? Uh, we, we, we convert it into useful things. If we take you back to those days, I mean, I mean, Paul can probably speak a bit on his side, but on my side, you know, uh, I did, you know, I had my master's and my degree um, yeah. in Europe, and I specialize on uh, what's called solid state chemistry and ceramic materials. And I worked a lot on new materials for energy applications. So, a lot of these solid state materials and ceramics are used in batteries and sensors and things like that. And then, when I wanted to uh, work on my PhD, and how I ended up in Calgary really was because I wanted to work on their, you know, the professor we worked on. Our PhD available, yeah. uh, yeah. renowned electrochemist. And so, you know, if I take you back there, you know, when you're looking for a PhD, you're looking for obviously, uh, you know, a researcher that, that you want to learn from and also yes. like really, really cool project. So, on my, my end, uh, I actually, Paul was already there. He started a little bit before me. And uh, he and some other people from the group actually pitched the projects to me because they're, you know, Dr. Burst has a lot of different, you know, huge research group and a lot of projects. So um, I got three or four pitched to me and I, I really, really liked this one. That's how I ended up. And I, and if I take okay, you so back. The main, the main, so going back, so you were kind of in Europe and looking at battery cells and, and, but this project, what caught your eye? Cause you said, Paul, 
Paul and his group, they were, you started, you're working on, what is it? Because, I mean, we're in the oil and gas space, so it, it's clearly linked to oil and gas, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's clearly linked, but it doesn't have to be. It's linked to anything that emits CO2. That could be, oh, okay. could be metal processing. It could be plastic. It doesn't have to be oil and gas, right? Uh, right. But what got me, for me, was, uh, you know, when li literally when they pitched the project, and Paul pitched the project, I thought it was, you know, that was back in 2010, not 2011. Um, wow. know, uh, to me, it was this whole idea of utilizing you know, carbon dioxide was, you know, I've never heard of it before, definitely. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, then, and I really found it attracting, and, you know, and just as a scientist, you know, to be able to work towards something that's, you know, that has yeah. potential, almost looked like a, like impossible back then, you know, well, that, that was, that's, you know, what attracted me, definitely. Yeah. Well, so I, like, I wanted to, there was a, okay, I just want to, there was something I read, the other day, and it was a soil cap, the CO2 putting carbon into the soil. And I wanted to copy you two on it, but it, I didn't think because it was with farming, right? I can share that with you offline, but I was like, wow, this is so what you guys do. And then I'm like, no, it's not. But, so maybe we can talk offline. But so, Paul, so tell me, you were capturing CO2. I mean, literally, what do you, you run around with a machine and it just kind of falls in? <laughs> I'm, I'm being weird. I'm being, I know I'm being silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so just just to you know break it down a little bit, um, with yeah. our technology, the CO two needs to be captured. So let's assume we have a power plant or a cement factory, oil and gas. Yeah, they emit a lot of CO two, right? Um, now most of them emit into the atmosphere, and we know the consequences of that, right? That's so right. That's right. To cut down on that, you know, emission problem, right? One approach is to capture the CO two. Okay, and there's one approach where you store it. You capture the CO2, you pipe it or transport it, and you store it underground. Okay, that's one approach. Oh, okay. That's one approach. Now, with, yep. with, with CO2 energy, what we do is that they capture CO2, we take that, bring it to our box, you know, our technology, which I'll call a box, and, you know, we add electricity to it, and we're able to produce other type of fuels. Okay, so you can take the CO2, uh, convert it, more or less like recycling it. Okay, to produce, let's say, methanol, ethanol. Um, right. We're able to produce some form of intermediate gases like carbon monoxide, which, you know, has a lot of application in plastics, metal processing, electronics. Um, we're able to produce what we call syngas. Okay, so you take the CO2 outside. Synthetic gas, that's synthetic gas. That's correct, right? synthetic gas, correct. Yeah. So you take that as a, a CO2 plus water, you're able to produce synthetic gas using our technology. And that's a very good, you know, intermediate feedstock for producing all these liquid chemicals, right? Wow. So, so that's where our technology is. So we need the CO2, you know, uh, that, that, that comes from our box and we are able to produce all these intermediate industrial gases that can be further processed to produce all the high level um, chemicals and fuels. So, I mean, look, I, I spent some time in Qatar and they have this massive... GTL plant, gas to liquid, Correct. and they're really just fracking. You know that what it, you guys know this better than I do, but it's like the the whole chain of carbon, you know, the C whatever thirty five thing. But I mean, like what you're talking about is you're taking what's out there. Yes, they're creating they're creating it, whereas you already it's already there. I don't understand. So why are they wasting money? Please clarify for my two listeners. Why would they waste money on that when you're you're just capturing it from what's out there? So, so that's the conventional way, right? So they, yeah. they've, now what we're doing is that we're trying to help, you know, the CO2 mitigation strategy, right? Because 
most of this GTL riders, natural gas, and all that, they emit a lot of CO2. Okay. Yeah. Now the CO2, what we want to do is uh, recycle it. Okay. Instead of emitting it or you know into the atmosphere, why not take the emitted CO2 and produce the same um, liquid in a more sustainable way, right? In a cleaner way. Yeah. So that's what we we are trying to do. Okay. Um, but that being said, you know, to help to help mitigate the CO2 emissions, you know, you need different strategies and different technologies who have to come to the table to help with that strategy, right? So, right. Yeah. Okay, so you 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 have, I mean, you said commercialize, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking like a bot, like I'm 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 having a little bit of fun, but really, you're capturing it. But how do you scale? How do you scale and take that? You have to you have to create a bunch of boxes across the globe and put them on the site. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got oil and gas is global. Africa. I was in Kazakhstan, Russia. It's in the, you know, the far north of Alberta, or far north of, you know, I'm just saying, like, it's how do you get to scale and get your product to the market? So one of the, I guess, uh, great things about our technology is that it's very uh, modular and scalable. So we can yeah. work on different scales and we can work different, you know, every company in the world, whether it's oil and gas or metal processing, they have different size of plants too, um, you know, and different size of uh, emitting. So you know, just to give you a, a more of a visual of how this works and how this scale, um, the actual fundamental technology, these are ceramic plates, right? Um, so you can picture like a little bit of a square ceramic plates. And you yeah. can think of them, we, we like to make this analogy with Oreo cookies, uh, where they have, because <laughs> they uh, they're black and white and they, uh, they have three layers yeah. like an Oreo cookie. So, so the black part of it is where the chemistry or the electrochemistry happens. And the white side of the cookie is where that's the separator in the middle. And so each one of those cookies actually works as a full device converting this into all the gases that, that Paul mentioned. Now, the way to scale that up is to put several cookies in parallel. So you can imagine many of them. So, you know, similar to batteries and other devices, you put several in parallel. Yeah. So you put several of these in parallel, you will make stacks and you will make smaller boxes, right? To um, yeah. the size that you would want. You know, so let's say now we're talking about a mini fridge size, uh, you know, with all the components around it and all the balance of plant. Um, and then, you know, to get to bigger scale, it's a matter of stacking boxes and making bigger units. Now they're more like... Uh, uh, container size, right? Uh, so yeah. that's sort of how you get to to uh, to commercial scale levels with our technology. Yes, but you need the so each level. So the fil- so the let so step back. I'll step back. So the filter, the the CO two flows through. I guess the white or black, whatever that the colors are. But <laughs> the fil- the cookie, it flows through the cookie, right? And it captures that that filter system holds it in there. And then you suck it out, or what? Is it? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Fairly uh, kind of like that. So every every cookie, uh, you know, if you if you if you take a whole stack of of the cookies together, you know, there'll be glass, gla- <laughs> you know, there'll be gases flowing in, and they'll yeah. you know they'll get to each and every one of the cookies. I say CO two will flow into the box and flow into each and every one of the cookies, and then each and every one will convert it into the products, whether it's singas or whether it's uh, carbon monoxide. And then the output yeah. gases will again flow out, recombine. So at the end of the day, outside of in and out of the box, you'll have gases in, gases out. Um, so you really think outside? You really thought outside the box, <laughs> you to take the, right? 
You literally are thinking outside, in, inside and outside. I love it. So, the, but the, how does the capture then, when it's dropping off, the the sin gas? Is it being heated, cooled, and then liquefied? I mean, I'm, 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 I might be oversimplifying or whatever. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. So we work with gases. Our devices work in the in the gas phase, um, and so they'll come in, come in as the gas, come out as the gas. Um, so yeah. in our, you know, in our customers that we're building, and in our commercialization vision, our value proposition is to be on site on places that. They have these gases coming out, so pseudo coming out, and they need these gases into the industrial processes. So we can just yeah. feed them back into processes, right? So closing that that carbon loop in a way, like Paul was saying, instead of- um, well, it's, a, it's a gas recovery. You're literally, you, I mean, you self-contain and you don't have to pipe in, say, uh, I, I don't know, H2L or correct. H2O. Like, I'm just thinking of some of the, when I was in the industrial plants, they're buying hydrogen correct. and uh, you know, they're piping this stuff in. It's, very expensive in the Middle East. Correct. And yet, instead of this is a recovery. It's You'll be producing it on site. That's exactly the idea. You're producing these gases yeah. on site, right? And so, you know, instead of purchasing it, you know, uh, hydrogen or carbon monoxide, or single, all these gases, you know, you know, transporting and storing, it's an issue. And they're, you know, expensive. Yeah. So that's exactly it. You, you want to produce these gases on site from their own emissions. Yeah. That's exactly it, yeah. No, air liquid, I'm telling you, Beatrice, air liquid, and I don't, I'm not knocking them. They do, they have a very a purpose, but they literally exist to give you gas to the, the big, the big industrial companies. Literally. You, what you're talking could revolution. It, I mean, it's disrupt. It must be disruptive. I cannot see this. Not being, <laughs> right. But then you're going to, you're going to step on air. You're going to step on air liquid's toes. You're going to crush their cookies. <laughs> Well, they don't have cookies. Those are ours. <laughs> no, they're bringing gas in from like Airbnb. I'm telling you, it's a bit of a no. I'm sorry, I, I'm getting off topic, but so this is pretty exciting. So you're who? What's the incentive for the gas people to use this? What is the incentive other than the environment? Are there real other incentives, economic? Yeah. So so we've done we've done a lot of financial uh, modeling with uh, some of our industrial partners. And we were talking, yeah. we were working with one company that deals with green plastics or sustainable plastics. And oh, and right. they use, so they, their concept or their approach is to take the CO2 that they emit during production of plastics. Instead of emitting it, yeah. you know, it will be captured and they'll use our technology to produce carbon monoxide, CO. Okay. And the CO is a very good precursor for them to produce the plastic. So we did a whole cost analysis and they found out that if we bring our technology to the outside, on-site production of CO will cut down the cost of the CO that they are buying now by 30%, okay? And, and the reason being that, you know, you're cutting down all the logistics, right? So trans transportation and all the logistics is being cut down because now you're producing yeah. the CO that they need for their green plastic on-site. All right. So, so just to answer, um, aside for that. All right. So, step. So, when they produce it on, they don't have to bring in yes. CO for their plastic for the plastic. Correct. So, so, so they produce it. Correct. So, aside from the environmental benefits of they recycling their CO two, they also have the benefit of like the economics, right? So, you cut down, you cutting down the costs, you know, per, per ton of CO that they have to buy, and also safety, right? Yeah. They don't have to have a big storage of CO on site because now it's like online production right so once they need co they press our button you know connected connected co to electricity you're able to get co for their plastic uh, production 
So, so yeah. Well, that I mean, that's insane. That's that's huge. I, again, I'm going back to my 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 experience in Qatar because the you know the, to bring in the gas from Air Liquide, they pump it in, they bring it yes. in by trucks, or they you really have the the right away. You go through that Correct. whole infrastructure, supply chain pipes. Right, right. Wow. That's so as, that, as Beatrice said, you know, that's what, you know, our proposition is to be on site and be able yeah. to have like, you know, a plug and play kind of um, technology where if you need a certain amount of yeah. the gas that you need for your, you know, plastic production or metal processing, you just have to press the button and, you know, um, you get that um, uh, uh, gas out, right? And so I guess with, with today's, you know, like CapEx, as you know, with oil prices, uh, squeezed, doubly squeezed the last few months, but literally the CapEx budgets are down. There's a huge incentive because you don't have the margins, the profit margins to, to you know, to, to, to keep spending big CapEx on, on your, the gas, right. right? I mean, whatever, to keep that gas in play, right? That CapEx is huge because you got to, I mean, say OPEX. So I guess that's the inflection point, right? When a company says, they're already doing this. They, you know, when they're going to spend on maintenance or whatever, where do you catch, you know what I mean? So where do you catch that? Because if it's a new plant, it's easy, but the existing operations, maybe not so easy. Like they, they have to, they have to spend your money. Right. Right? They have to buy the, the right. cookies. <laughs> they have to put the... So, I mean, am I just, I mean, I'm really, I'm thinking my putting my old CFO <laughs> hat on. Where I sat there and I, you make that decision, right? Sunk cost versus when do we bring in? Uh, right. Cookies? So, I think also geographically, like across the world, there's different case scenarios, right? So as an yeah. example, as you know, we were in Norway uh, last fall as part of Techstars. And, you know, one of the things, you know, in Equinor and all the companies out there, you know, over there, they pay, they pay about yes. 100 euros per ton to emit CO2, right? So again, depends. Wow. And European Union is about 50, like depends where you go, right? So, you know, there's going to... Wait, that's a, that's a charge. They yeah, they get charged to emit or... per ton, right? So that's that's the thing. So they're also looking for ways to monetize that. You know, if you're gonna have to pay for it, yeah. you might as well do something useful with the with the CO two, right? Um, and so that's yeah. why a lot of the you know the the cap you know capture directly from the air projects that are also everywhere in the world in Norway here in Canada really started. But this is the next step of like you know. You know, we need also capturing CO2 from the air for sure, but we need to convert it into something that could be reused and utilizing that CO2 to really like fill in this cycle. So I think to answer what you were asking, I think it really depends where you are, different incentives, you know, with yes. your CFO hats. <laughs> but I think obviously if you were in a place where you had to pay to admit, you would be thinking a little bit different too, um, you know, yeah. so, yeah. No, I mean, because... This is incredible because I mean, gas flare was always a big issue in in in, in Kazakhstan mm -hmm. and Russia. You know, they would they, they convenient use gas flare, but that's where the CO two is, right, on the gas mm -hmm. flare. And but I mean, the, the emissions as well. But then in Europe, it's huge. But that I mean, I I never got involved in the carbon trading, but that's you know there was a big I don't know if it's big whatever it was. You you come from Europe, you understand that, but. The incentives seem real if you're paying a, a discharge fee of a hundred hundred dollars per Correct. ton. Correct. Right there. So you, I wanted to talk about that TechStars. So what attracted you, or did they invite you? That's pretty cool. You're in Stavanger. Uh, Oslo, in Oslo, yeah. Uh, Equinor Oslo. Oh, no. Well, Fornebu is just outside Oslo. Yeah. Oslo. Um, 
Well, I guess, you know, Y Combinator and Texters are, you know, the biggest uh, accelerators really worldwide. And uh, they're, they're a little bit different in their, in their structure and their programming. Um, and yeah. uh, we did choose Texters for a couple of reasons um, over Y Combinator. But also we had, you know, companies here in the city who had gone through the program before and successfully. And like Vicky, exactly like Vicky, like Vicky Not, who introduced yeah. us, by the way. So... <laughs> You know, we also had, you know, you know, actual, you know, one-on-one, you know, how was the experience and how useful it was for their business, sort of like feedback versus like, you know, just uh, just random comments on their websites and, you know, things like that. You've got to believe. So I think uh, we really like yeah. that model of, first of all, you know, uh, entrepreneurs outside of Silicon Valley, but also obviously, uh you know, we had to move to Oslo. We have to be there for all the programs. So there's, there's you know, right. hard, good and bad things about that because, um, you know, we had to coordinate, you know, time zones and all that. But, you know, being inside Equinor and inside uh, a huge energy company uh, for those 12 months and with all the connections that they have, it, it was very different for us. But also the fact that, you know, these are, a lot of the accelerators out there are really based for digital solutions. Um, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, that's a tech, a tech, tech, yeah. tech stars. But this is, you, you brought in the technical <laughs> aspect of oil and gas. Yeah. Do you capture data? Do you capture data that can be used yeah. by the companies as well? So that stars? this is where Texas really work for us in the, in the sense that Texas Energy, it's a little bit of a different program than all of the other Texas one. It's a little more yes. hard tech heavy. Uh, in some ways. So we felt uh, less alone, yeah. like we usually do feel in some of these accelerators. And being there, you know, 80% or 70% of the workforce at Equinor, they're engineers, right? So anyway, it's a different yeah. <laughs> different atmosphere. You know, they understand what it takes to, to, to take an actual hard tech, build something, you know, capital intensive and, and big into into commercialization versus some of the digital uh, solutions and accelerators. Like everything is radically different on how to approach the business and stuff. So that was really valuable for us. Well, the Nor- the, you've got Stat Oil, or was it Stat? You've got the Norwegians. I mean, their oil, they, they made their, they cut their teeth in, in, in the oil offshore. And, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in Oslo, so I right. know the city well. But so, but Equinor, are they still like a shareholder? Are they working with you? So, so Equinor is, is that- used to be Statoil, so so they're so they're the same company. They rebranded. Oh. So, Stat- Equinor is Statoil. They rebranded. Yeah. They rebounded. They rebounded. They made no- But no, I mean, incredible. This is a. Re- I, I'm so excited. Sorry, Beatrice. I get these kind of things are just you know they're dear to my heart. From my, you know, they. They, they, they recently did that, so it's not, not a big deal. So most people still call them stat oil, so that's okay. Uh, but yeah, so they're not, so they, um, Texas as whole have um, stake in the company because of the program. Equinor, yeah. they don't, yeah. uh, but we, we have, um, we actually are working in collaboration with them because I don't know if you know this, but Equinor, Shell, Total, and the Norwegian government. They have in one of the refineries in Mongstad, which is just outside Bergen, they have a huge right. pilot plant for CO2 capture, um, and uh, which is called Technolo- Technology Center Mongstad TCM. So our entire, you know, one of our main goals being there was being able to pilot with them 
um, you know, on their site. So by the end of the program, we had understanding that we'll be able to uh, to pilot with their collaboration. So again, they captured the CO2, so this will be a great way to prove that we can utilize their CO2 because there's different yeah. issues about capturing, yeah. you know, impurities, other things, right? So so by the end of the program, uh, that was the understanding, and we're working towards that, towards that uh, piloting with them over there. So in that sense, Equinor may come on board with, some kind of project financing, but as of today, no, they're not part of our company. They're just supporting us, yeah. So a, a question for me that, I mean, I'm just thinking, because we're in Canada, it's cold, Norway's cold, but there's, you know, there's places in Africa where, you know, it's hot. So does your technology, you know, and you think of Russia as well, but does your technology have a climate, you know I mean, that the equipment, does you have to take into consideration the differences in different climates? Uh, Paul, <laughs> dilution. <I'm here. laughs> um, no, I, I think I think should work uh, irrespective of the of the climate, right? Um, because the technology yeah. has different components embedded into 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 the technology, right? You have what we call the balance of plants, yeah. So that will be you know adjusted or coordinated to meet different locations, right? So I don't I, I don't think the location or the climate will affect the operation of of the of the overall performance of the technology. Because it seems that, you know, like the, the, the cheap gas in the Middle East, when I was there, was the, the, the lack of incentive for things like solar. This would be the cheap gas, you know, they're, they're making GTL plant, which is highly in, energy intensive, as you, I think Beatrice said, and they're also emitting a lot of CO2. What's incentive for the, they still have this belief that, you know, gas is, is, is cheap and plentiful. Why do I need to do this? I mean, I'm just putting myself back into the Middle East. Do you see, have you had discussions with them? And I'm not, I'm not putting them on the spot. I'm just thinking practically. No, like what, what no, we've not, we've not had discussion with them at the moment. I think, I think that the reason why most, you know, companies or locations are still um, using the conventional technology, if I can use that term, is because of the skill, right? Because they're already yeah. commercialized, right? And they know how it works and all that, um, so they still, you know, are right. somehow attached to that uh, form of technology. But with the new form of innovative technology like ours, right, um, we are now building to get to the commercial stage, right. So there's still some time, you know, for us to build up the technology, get it to the commercial stage where we can do large-scale conversion of the gases, right. So I'm guessing that's why yeah. some of this. Um, Locations are still using the conventional way of producing, you know, their gas to liquid the GTO. But I believe with time, as we start commercializing, you know, having a lot of these um, cookies uh, boxes in different locations, um, we should be able to penetrate the market yeah. and have, you know, uh, a big market share. And you have some of these locations adopting this new form of technology, which which has, which we have, we have shown to be more cleaner. Right, you use this gas in the most sustainable yeah. way, and that's good for the overall CO two emission strategies that you know various locations are adopting. Right, so, so, so I would say that there's still some time left for us to get into the commercial stage, and once we get there, you know, and yeah. you know, that that will speed up the ad ad adoption of of this uh, technology. <laughs> well, just I wanted to, I want to just want to go back to your patent the patent issue. And and I don't want to raise the alarms or anything, but I, I do recall, you know, we filed patents um, when, with the, the power plant I was working with, the petro they were polysilicon. 
They had patents in China and Korea and Europe and Canada, North America. Very expensive. And one of them, two of them, two things came across with the Chinese and Koreans said, this isn't a patent. It's just a better way of doing it. And they rejected the patent. And I'm just thinking, have you come across, because I, I, I kind of had some familiarity with that, learned a little bit about it. But have you, have you put your patents across the globe or North America? You know what I'm saying? Because like when, when you get into China, it's very hard to enforce. Even if you have a patent there, you know, getting you into that, if somebody's using your technology, how are you going to get access to that and prove it? And that was, that was kind of the discussions I had at a very, at a, a very extensive discussions with some of our <laughs> I mean, that, that's a huge topic, I guess, uh, that we're really no experts on. Yeah. But uh, I mean, yes, especially as a small business, like let alone as a big business, but a small business, yes, there's going to be situations where enforcing yeah. your patent is, you know, not really achievable because of the amount of, uh, legal fees and enforcement that you're going to have to spend, right? Having said that, though, yeah. not in, like I think even a technology like ours, you know, you don't build this in a couple of months, a couple of years, right? So it's also not something that you can build today or tomorrow. It's going to take a it's long time. Take a long time, yeah. You've been doing this. Well, I mean, the years. company really two so years, like really speeding up to scale up the. The tech, but yeah, the actual yeah. fundamental research and how it got us there. Yeah, that's that's a lot of years, right? So, so it's obviously, yeah. you know, that's not something you can copy, you know, tomorrow. There's also a lot of intrinsic information that's not in the patents either, right? Um, and knowledge that's that's not out there and that's not public. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's a huge topic. I, I don't, I'm not too sure how to how to. <laughs> no, I'm just. I don't. I didn't want to put in. I was just thinking, wow. When I hear patents, I'm, it's, it's in today's day and age, people copied so quickly, like CDs and, it, you know, those people that copy <laughs> CDs, they're done, right? So these guys are going to copy, right? There's no more. You, you're not going to make any more money off that. So they're going to look for other things. But no, no, the cookie, I love the Oreo cookie. And I think, you know, Nestle's may want to have <laughs> on that name. Well, you know what? When I, was, when I was in Norway and, you know, at the end of, of it, there's a huge demo day and stuff. Um, there and and really, I was working yeah. on those visuals there because it was you know it's hard for us as very technical people sometimes to really do the whole marketing and convert you know and communicate and explain what we do. Yeah. Um, and so so really, I you know oh, yeah. that kind of you know we had it before, but it really kind of cooked while I was in Oslo. People loved it, like the, all the other companies, and people really embraced us. Do you use it more? Use it more. That's and uh, and the last day, I was joking that I was going to contact them and see if they could sponsor. We had little stands at demo day and like have hundreds of Oreo cookies for people and stuff. Uh, I oh, oh. <laughs> you see, you, I love that. I love that kind of. You just play on the play on words, but the visuals work, right? The visual works. I get it from yeah. like just kind of the non-technical side. I get it from being in, around a lot of industrial plants. But I really, you know, Paul and, and Beatrice, thank you so much. I, I, what I'm saying is I love this area of, of the oil and gas and the innovation and bringing tech into it. So thank you for sharing. Anything, you know, anything else you want to leave? No, I think, I think this was a very good uh, discussion. And um, uh, with us, as we rightly said, you know, we're still moving ahead with our commercial uh, project, and we hope in the next two, three years, we should have our yeah. first commercial um, box out, you know, being adopted and used in various uh, industries, oil and gas, plastics, metal processing. So, so you know, we're working out to help in the, in the push for CO2 uh, mitigation and reduction. 
Yeah. Well, I wanted to I wanted to leave one last thought for Beatrice to, to comment because I'm thinking of the Easy Bake Oven. Now I don't know if you grew up with an Easy Bake Oven, but I'm thinking that's your model. You bring in you put the cookie in the Easy Bake Oven, right? And you you pull you call the cookies on the other end. But I think is that the size for your demos? A little small kind of you know that kind of oven um, thing. Yeah, not too sure how big, yeah, sure how big those. Honestly, uh, I'm not familiar with 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 that. But the, no. Oh, you're not. Jesus, come on, every girl in North America. I know. I'm so I didn't grow up here. I don't. Uh, anyways, I don't. I don't know. So, <laughs> but I can tell you the size of ours. <laughs> um, so ours are field demo projects are that will go around next year. And we, I think, we we have partners on. You know, this would be um, yeah. a little bit bigger than a than a mini fridge, um, like the actual box. Oh, okay. And then with all the balance of plant and all of the components for the day one stuff, it's probably be a more like um, forty feet uh, container size uh, for demo units. Yes. Well, that yeah, I mean the sea containers, right? That I mean that's a that's is that the size when if I'm thinking of an industrial plant. You've got that. They can put those. They, it's that size, and you can ship them over. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the answer. Yeah. Well, Beatrice and Paul, thank you so much, and uh, I, I, I hope I curbed my enthusiasm enough because I really think it's what you're doing is fantastic. So thank you. Thank you very much for having us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Alan. All right. I look forward to the. I look forward to the next chapter of C3PO. C3PO. Okay. Yeah, yeah. R2D2. All right. All right, you too. Have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye.